Hi, this is Chris Torres, and welcome to the American Agriculturist Young Farmer Podcast. Before COVID-19 shut everything down up here in the Northeast, we actually went and visited with Ryan Murray up in Truxton, New York. Ryan has a 100-cal seasonal dairy in Truxton, and we visited with him and talked to him about the organic dairy sector, um, the recent struggles of that sector, and also his plans for the future and how he makes his operation work. Ryan runs his farm with his wife, Annie, and also a recently born son, four months old. So listen to the conversation. Hope you enjoy it. And, uh, and here's our, t- our talk with Ryan Murray. So we're recording this in a time that is um, kind of unique in our mm-hmm. lifetimes. But you are sort of insulated from that all the way up here in central New York. What's the closest town? I guess it's would be... Uh, closest small town is Trucks, New York, which is a real small town. Um, then we get to Cortland, New York, which is maybe a 20,000-person town. And then right. 45 minutes away, we have Syracuse, which is our probably a real city. Yeah. Um, but uh, by the time this comes out, I'm sure that this whole thing with COVID-19 will still be going. I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. Probably not. How are, how are you guys dealing with it? Uh, pretty well. Um, we're, we're not too worried about ourselves, more older relatives and stuff are more what we're worried about. But on the farm here, we're pretty, uh, self-isolating won't be very hard on the farm here. That's with <laughs> calving season coming up. And you just had a son. Yes, we did. How old's your son? He's four months. Congratulations. So, and thank you. Your, char- your son's name is? Uh, Charles Grant Murray. That's wonderful. So, so for the listeners, um, named after your grandfather? Named after my grandfather and great-grandfather, yep. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, I was uh, born pretty much here on this farm where we're uh, recording this. Uh, grew up on my uh, parents' 80-cow conventional dairy. Um, had a great time growing up on a farm. It's a great place to grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2007, my parents uh, made the transition into organic dairy. Um, so most of most of my time growing up, when I actually started learning stuff, it, we were already in the organic world, um, which is you know basically the same as a conventional dairy, just a little different. So, so mar- your milk's just going to a different market. Of milk's just going all. to a different market. You treat the cows a little different, but it, mm-hmm. it's basically the same as most small dairies. What what was the um, so, so when did your parents actually transition from conventional to organic again? Uh, that was in 2007. 2007. So um, what was the reasoning behind that? Um, pay price for the most part. Um, and we were already doing a lot of things that uh, made the transition pretty easy. My mom has been grazing her cows since she graduated college and started her own farm. Um, so she was early on the grazing uh, grazing train there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a uh, good management fit with us. And uh, my uh, aunt down the road had been one of the first uh, organic farms in the county. So it was a good base of knowledge down there to look and see how things are going for them. Sure, so. sure. So that would have been, how old are you now? 
I am 27. Okay, right so now, that would have 28 been, in two days. <laughs> goodness, so that would have been you were about 16 then, 15, 16 years old. Yep. yep. Okay, so you would have been in high school. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, junior high. Junior, junior high, high school. Junior high school. Okay. Did you go to college? I did two semesters. I did a, one semester at Alfred State and one semester at Morrisville. Um, the college lifestyle really wasn't my uh, my cup of tea. Um, so we didn't return after the second semester. Started uh, buying up uh, heifers and started my own farm shortly after did shortly get, after that. Did you guys did you guys have a partnership you and your father? I mean, did you partner at all on this farm? Uh not really. Um basically when I decided not to go back for my second year of college, my mom said, "Well, you can't just totally stay here and do nothing." So I'm like, "Oh, got to do something." So decided I'd go out on my own. Um so I started buying up heifers, transitioned them to organic. Um we had a neighbor down the road who uh sold out a few years previously, his land was all certified organic, had a barn with a milking system, so rode a lease with him, and I calved in 35 cows um, in uh, the spring of 2013, and started on my own down there. And that's um, when it started then, 2013? Yep, yep, that's when I started farming by myself. That's when you actually started, wow. A lot of support from my parents still on that, so, mm-hmm. and started as a seasonal uh, grazing operation. Wow. Tell me about how it started. I mean, that, I mean, just to start a farm on your own, that's a lot. So, you know, tell me about the, about the type of support you got from your parents and the type of support you got to actually start that operation. Uh, let's see. Um, my, my, my mom was very supportive of me not just staying on the farm, mm-hmm. so a lot of support there as far as just, just the, the motivation to do it. Um, growing up with the knowledge base really helped. Um, you know, was able to ask a lot of questions as far as how to how to do stuff because a lot of basic stuff you don't really know like how to approach a approach a bank and stuff like that right and uh also uh having parents that are in it you know if they have if they have a good name within the farming community it really helps because um you have a little bit of built-in trust there that sure. you might know what you're doing and that it, you know if your family pays the bills that people trust you a little bit more so uh that was a big help um and then I'd always done a lot of reading on uh, agriculture. I always got a lot of magazines, did a lot of reading, read a lot of articles and books on that. Um, now, and I basically was just putting together a, a business plan that didn't uh, that kind of showed my uh, basic cash flow and showed up to the bank with that. And y- you show up to a bank with kind of a decent plan, and they, they like seeing that. Because especially they have a lot of people that just come in and say, I want $100,000 and I don't have a plan. So when you come in and say, oh, I need, need a small line of credit and I kind of have a plan, it kind of helps get you in the door there. Mm-hmm. And you started out very small, 35? 35. 35 cows, yep. Wow, okay. So what was the thinking behind having a seasonal dairy? I mean, you could have done this all year long. So what was the, season, what was the, thinking, what was the thinking Excuse me, behind having and just going with a seasonal dairy? Um, the... Seasonal dairy was so that uh, two main reasons. This sounds strange, but being so small, being seasonal kind of gives you a, a small, a weird economy of scale because I do all my calving at once. Um, so, you know, I just get that all dealt with when I'm feeding calves. I'm not feeding one or two calves. I'm feeding 20 calves, and I can do that in the same time. I can feed two calves for the most part, um, get all my calving out of the way. Um, 
and then the big reason was because I'm mainly a grazing farm. Um, at that point, I didn't own any equipment, so bought all my feed or had some uh, custom hired my hay made. Um, so I didn't have a whole lot of control over feed quality. So if I'm seasonal, I kind of match up my uh, cow's lactation curve with the grass growth curve a little better. So I can get more of my high quality dairy forage off of pasture being seasonal than I can if I was just calving year round like, right. a, like a normal dairy. What does what your highest quality actually come off? I mean, your highest quality forage? Um, May grass. May grass, okay. Yeah, May okay. grass is always the, uh, the best grass. What they call the spring flush. Yeah, way. the spring flush. <laughs> so I'm really taking advantage of the spring flush there. Yeah. And uh, luckily the uh, uh, milk co-op I'm with didn't really care that I was seasonal mm -hmm. um, because being seasonal, I dry off for two to three months every year and then start back up. Um, so my co-op was very good to allow me to do that. And what co-op are you with? Uh, Upstate Niagara. Upstate Niagara. Yep. Okay. Um, okay. They're, they're organic uh, division. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Do you know how many how many farmers are in that organic division? I, I am not sure. Okay. okay. It's, a, it's grown quite significantly since. I was one of two farms in the area mm -hmm. um, when I started getting picked up, and now there's, there's like 10 farms just in county and the surrounding counties at least that are shipping to upstate now and it was you, a big expansion phase in organic when i started right you could probably could have had the chance to go to horizon or to organic valley then did you ever think of going with them uh i contacted both of them um they didn't seem to take me too seriously <laughs> and uh, upstate niagara did um so that's how i ended up uh shipping to upstate and being a co-op member there um got really lucky they've maintained the best uh pay price and pay packages over the time um and that was all just blind luck that I ended up with them <laughs> that way. So very grateful for that. Talk a little bit about your expansion then. Um, yes. Yeah, so over I, the years. From, over from the when years. You started. So I yeah started with thirty five cows, um, milking in an eighty cow barn. Um, so over the first few years, I only really expanded to about forty five cows, which filled half the barn. I found that to be a number that I could easily uh, take care of with no employees or anything um, without working myself too, uh, too hard. <laughs> um, so I stayed there for about three years um, at the 45 cow range. Um, then I uh, uh, got engaged uh, to my uh, current wife, and uh, we decided if we were going to try to support uh, two of us um, that we should, I should start slowly expanding the herd so we can accommodate uh, two people. So Purchased more cows, started raising more calves, milked uh, 65, yeah, milked 65 cows in 2017, then 80 cows in 2018 and 2019, and this spring we'll be calving in uh, 100 cows. 100 cows. Yep. Good for you. Yep. Good and for you. In that time, we've uh, moved farms too. Um, we're now farming on the farm where I grew up on okay. as my. Uh, Parents purchased a larger farm uh, down the road. Okay. And so I, so I moved back to the uh, home farm. And, you, and this is the, is this the home where you actually grew up in, where we're sitting uh, right now? Th this house isn't, but it's a part of the property, and my family's owned it for a long time. My, okay. uh, my parents still live in the uh, the farmhouse on the other side of the barns there. Okay. Now your parents still dairy farming? Yep, they're still dairy farming. They're okay. now milking 160 organic cows, uh, four miles down the road. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Tell me about how you met your wife. Um, I met my wife at a National Organic Dairy Producers Alliance conference uh, that I went to. It's just a little conference where you, uh, 
there's speakers and you talk about issues in the organic dairy industry and stuff here, here in new york um yep that was in pavilion new york so kind of out in western new york on an organic robotic uh grazing dairy out there she was actually there because she was skeptical of uh organic dairying uh, so she just kind of wanted to be inquisitive the way she is she just kind of wanted to check it out and see uh see what's going on there and uh met her there and been good for me i don't know what she was thinking uh dating me and then marrying me but i'm not going to complain yeah she didn't grow up on a farm then she did not grow up on a farm she uh she grew up out in a uh, suburb basically a suburb of san francisco Mm -hmm. um in san carlos california wow what was she doing out here uh, I don't know. <laughs> she uh, she moved here. With like, her, do you ever ask her that? What were you doing out here? Oh yeah, all the time. I don't know how she ended up. I mean, because her dad is a engineer, uh, computer engineer for Google, um, and stuff. So totally different world out here. Um, she moved here when she was uh, fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, moved here with her stepmother, who is uh, from the area, and she started working on a started working on a dairy farm down the road, just as kind of something to do in the summer and. She loved it and took right to it and started working on a different larger farm and just spent a lot of time at it. And by the time I met her, you would never have known that she didn't grow up on it. She took to it really yeah. easy. She's so kind of a natural no, fit. So there was no struggle for you in terms of, you know, convincing her, hey, this is going to be our life. This is going to be, you know, this is it. We're going to be dairy farmers. Yeah, I mean, there. I mean, there's always a little bit. Um, just things don't always look good long term in the dairy industry well, right sure. now, but... She really enjoyed it. She she didn't think that she was ever going to be able to own a farm herself just because if you don't, if you aren't born into it, it's kind of hard to start your own, start your own thing. And uh, she didn't think she was going to be able to make it a career out of it. But then, then we decided to, to give it a go since I was already doing it and it was a lifestyle she was enjoying. And it sounds like once you got married, that's when you really decided to do your expansion because you want to, you know, want to support you and your wife. Yep. yep. Um, but when you originally got started, when you wrote that, that business plan yep. and, you know, I guess not thinking, not at the time you weren't dating. I don't know if you were dating, maybe you were dating, but you obviously were not married. Yep. yep. But at that time, what were your, what were your plans? What were your long-term plans for this farm before you met, before you met your wife? Um, there wasn't a whole lot of long, long-term plans. It was basically just, uh, find a way to get started and, uh, keep it running long-term plan i guess would be to do my own thing for 10 15 20 years and then reintegrate in with my uh my parents farm once they got a little closer to retirement Mm -hmm. um me and my mom are a little bit too similar so we uh we butt heads a lot (laughs) because we 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 fill the same niche on the farm so it's uh so decided to kind of if we're going to work together we'd have to work together separately (laughs) (laughs) or else we'd uh yeah have a lot of good conflicts, you know, both kind of wanted to do our own thing. So I ended up doing what she did because she started her own farm out of, out of college as well. Right. Because she had the same issues with her family. So <laughs> we're always, we seem to always be chomping at the bit to be in control. So <laughs> I figured I just ought to go do it by myself and just going to try to grow and keep the farm as a profitable enterprise. Sure. I don't know if I've been that profitable, but I've kept it going. So yeah, sure. And then then you meet Annie, and yep. then plans sort of the plans really change. Then I mean, obviously you 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 plan a little bit differently, but uh, when you met Annie, though, um, you know, then your plans changed, and then you expanded a little bit. Yep, uh, started holding little more calves, and we bought a few cows, trying to because then we we have two labor units. Um, mm-hmm. At this time, she also was doing um, nursing school. She currently has her RN. So okay. that that's always kind of in her back pocket if things didn't work out. Right. 
but she much happier on the farm than uh being a nurse she uh she would say that you know when she was uh doing her nursing clinicals or actually nursing she'd always thinking about being on the farm but she was never really thinking about nursing while she was on the farm so <laughs> so tell me about your philosophy tell me about your philosophy in terms of you know your your cow care and uh your production and just your your general business philosophy here as a as a seasonal organic farmer yeah um it's it's quite different from the uh conventional dairy farm we model a lot of our practices off of uh the new zealand dairy model which you know you have two whole islands there that Pretty much 95% of everyone is uh, seasonal calving with a big emphasis on uh, grazing and grazing management. So you just try to match up your uh, your lactation curve with the uh, grass growth. And then come winter, you dry them off. It reduces your need for quality feed. You still need a lot of feed, but it doesn't have to be the, quite the top quality. Um, big uh, advocate of grazing and uh, good grazing management. Um, it's just a it's a really cheap and effective way to get a lot of good, really high quality dry matter into your cows very cheaply, which when you're beginning and you don't have a whole lot of capital to purchase a really good line of uh, forage making equipment, which you need to make really good forage and you need really good forage if you're gonna make uh, the necessary amount of milk to uh, cash flow an operation. And it's just a way to do it that's not that capital intensive. When you're 20 and trying to get a big line of credit your big line of credit's quite small tell me your numbers in terms of you know your somatic cell counts and production and all that sort of thing um we've been quite lucky um our somatic cell usually run a hundred thousand or between a hundred and eighty thousand um so we've, we had pretty good luck there um our milk production is probably surprisingly low we only make about eight to nine thousand pounds per cow um, so you don't push them doesn't sound like you really they're, push them. they're not pushed um too hard we try to get keep the best forage in front of them as we can um but these are most of our herd is uh jerseys and jersey crosses our average weight it's probably only about 900 to a thousand pounds decently high butter fat so um like this year if you do a uh, milk energy uh correction um we make ten thousand pounds when you do that correction but not very high milk production on the uh the broad scale of things where you got farms making 30,000 pounds. But sure. we also have a lot less input costs. Sure. Um, we're also in a... But out- it works for you. It works. I mean, we're we're not putting on large amounts of debt. Um, so we're, we're cash flowing most of our operations. Um, we're not putting a ton of money away in the bank, but we're, we're moving forward. Well, at the end of the day, that's really what matters, right? Yep, yep. It'd be nice to have uh, bigger <laughs> margins and more profit, but... We're working on that. We'll see. <laughs> How is the organic dairy market right now? It's uh, overall, it's pretty rough. Um, we've been fortunate. We're insulated from that a little bit. Our uh, upset Niagara has held our price really well. Um, we've lost uh, maybe three dollars from the peak, um, but many uh, co-ops have dropped it six, seven, or eight, and have put uh, production quotas on. Um, we've been very fortunate too much, to too escape much milk that. On the market right now. Too much so milk on the market. Um, in the uh, expansion phase from like 13, 14, and 15, they brought on a lot of farms, um, brought on farms faster than the uh, market was growing. Um, so we kind of had a glut of organic milk. It happens just like it does in the uh, conventional world. Sure. Um, so and if you say quotas in the conventional world, you're sort of, you know, yeah. like, uh, we don't hear that. Yep. I'm very fortunate I didn't have any quotas put on our co-op because <laughs> I would not have been able to grow and 
I would not be cash flowing at uh, right. 35 cows right. or 45 cows like I was. So if I can ask, what was your what was the peak price? My peak price, um, I was getting about $50 a hundredweight at one point, but that was in the fall where we have seasonal production incentives. And in the fall, I dropped down to milking my cows once a day right before dry off, so their components shoot up. So that was not, it wasn't that high all year round. Um, I think that year I averaged about $38 a hundredweight is what we were getting that year. What year was that? That wouldn't have been 2016, which I think was our uh, peak price. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're averaging about $36 all year round is what our pay price normally is. Still pretty good. That is very good. There's a lot of farms that are in the high 20s or low 30s. So well, of course, we've, conventional we've been is under 20. We've quite well. So yeah. trying to get ourselves in a position where we can survive with not being insulated from that price shock. Sure. Sure. That's very good. That's very good. How many acres do you have? Uh, currently, uh, we have 154 grazable acres on the farm we're on now, and we uh, rent another uh, probably another 100 um, farther off that we either graze heifers on or um, have some hay made on for us. Yeah, so it's it's a good grazing base. It's a, one of the struggles with a, a grazing dairy is getting enough contiguous land acres close to your milking facility Mm -hmm. so you can get a significant amount of dry matter off your pastures um so we're pretty lucky that we have a good chunk of land to uh to do our grazing on can be a struggle to find sure absolutely and how many um how, how much of those acres do you actually own how much do you do you lease um i do not own any land um it is it is all leased um currently it's uh 95% 95% of the land I'm, well, not 95, 95% of the land I'm grazing is uh, land I'm leasing from my parents. Um, we kind of did a land swap. The land I was running down the road that I did my first uh, six years on, they are now renting that, and now I'm renting their land on the home farm. The land I was renting is a lot closer to where they are now farming. Sure. And it's actually better land, too. So. Sure, sure. Describe your milking system. Um, we're still milking in an 80-cow uh, tie stall. Um, we're lucky. It's a uh, owe a lot to my uh, great-grandfather who built a nice, tall, wide barn in the uh, late 40s. So it, it's still a really nice tie stall to milk on. But in the future here, we'll be looking to upgrade to a uh, a parlor, which would really increase our efficiency. Now, what are you looking at in terms of the parlor? I mean, um, We would probably go with a low-cost swing-style parlor. Um, and we'll put it right in the, uh, we'll take the floor out of the barn and put a, put a large swing parlor right in the uh, tie stall mm-hmm. and try to do it. Make an effective, good cow flow parlor, but try to reduce uh, how much we're going to have to spend to do that. Sure. Well, now that we got that out of the way with, your, with the farm operation itself, um, just had a little boy. Yep. Again, congratulations Thank on you. that. Um, you know, um, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, you're you're a pretty young guy. And of course, you know, Annie is younger than you then. Yes, yeah. Okay. She's four years younger She's than you. She's four years younger than you. Um, you know, being so young and, and in this business, what what are your what are your biggest struggles? Not a whole lot of them right now related to being young at this point. I mean, maybe the uh just being young, you have a whole lot of time to build a uh, capital base to work off of is probably the biggest struggle from being young. 
being a beginning farmer, if you will. Well, not really a beginning farmer, but you know, you're just starting out. You're yeah. just starting out. Yeah. I mean, just uh, building up. I I guess I'll go back to what I was just saying. Building up your capital base is the hard part. Um, you got a lot of. You're competing against a lot of farms who have been at this for multiple generations, which kind of have here, but and you're competing against a lot of large farms that are really well run with a large capital base. Um, so you got to compete for land. Um, you have to, they're really good at making low cost milk, both in the conventional world and in the organic world. Um, so just competing with those guys is a hard part. And you think, you think they have, you have the type of operation that can, that can compete with at least, you know, you can hold your own. Sounds like you're holding your own. We're holding our own for now, but long-term, I don't really know if, uh, we're going to be able to compete with those large, uh, least cost operations. Um, so I actually think that we're moving more towards trying to fulfill um, more specialty niche markets. Right now we're conventional, well, yeah, conventional organic farm, but um, the newest thing in the organic world is 100% uh, uh, forage and grass-fed cows. Um, we're actually moving in that direction to have our herd prepared for that, which basically means breeding cows that can uh, handle making milk um, without corn silage or cornmeal or soy. Mm -hmm. um, so we're positioning ourselves to move in more of a niche market area um, because I'm really not sure we can compete with those really big, really well-managed farms. Sure. But you're realizing that now, and it's great that you have you mm -hmm. know, a vision down the road where yep. this is where I need to go, this is how I'm going to probably do it. That's what we're trying to do. We'll see if... Uh, See if we're making the right decision, but gotta gotta try something if we want to stick out stick it out in this business for the uh, rest of our uh, working careers. Sure, which I mean, is, which is our goal. Sure. Well, I mean, how are you going to adjust the cows? I mean, tell me practically how that's going to work for you. I mean, when do you start that transition? How do you how do you adjust these these cattle to that? Um, I mean, a lot of farms just kind of decide that they're going to switch to the grass fed and just quit feeding the corn and corn silage and stuff. That can be very tough on the uh, the cows we have now because you know they've had they've been bred for making milk on corn silage and grain since the 1960s and 50s. So it's uh, it's really hard on the cows. So we're before we make that transition, we're uh, breeding with bulls um, that kind of uh, have an older style phenotype um, where they can make it. Uh, without on just forage, mm -hmm. um, so it's bull selection. Uh, we select cows that uh, hold their condition a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so really, yeah, we're trying to hold about eight thousand pounds to nine thousand pounds with moving to grass fed. I just I don't want to do it too fast because I'm, I'm afraid of a train wreck there, which sure. isn't an issue in the grass fed world of people transitioning to grass fed before they're prepared either on the cow end or the grazing and forage management end sure what when do you eventually want to get to that point i mean what, what what's your what's your timeline probably by five years we'll be there mm -hmm. um probably could go there now but we're again we're in the good market situation where uh our pay price for our regular organic milk isn't that much less than the uh, grass-fed uh, premium at this time so we don't really have a financial reason to make that jump yet but I, I think that is coming, so I'm just trying to be prepared for it, and we can make that uh, transition rather smoothly. Someone prepared and looking to the future. Boy, isn't that a great concept? 
<laughs> we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we're making the right call and moving that direction. So for you and Annie, again, you're 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 pretty young. Just had your first child. Um, tell me how you're how you're balancing that right now. I mean, he's only four months old. And tell me how you're balancing that now. Is it just you and Annie that that are working on the farm? Do you have any employees? Uh, we have one uh, one part time employee. So it's uh, m- the majority of the labor is still done all by uh, myself and uh, my wife Annie. Okay. Um, we are gonna find out here. Um, <laughs> since we're seasonal, we've it was our slow time of year when he was born, and then we just had two months of dry off. So we really haven't had to figure that out. But between uh, now and May, we'll have 100 cows in. So we'll have to figure something out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we think we can manage. What's the best part about being a parent for you? I don't know. They're, they're a ton of fun. <laughs> just uh, watching them and even just over these four months, how much, how much they grow. That's been fun. And uh, also kind of gives you a sense of urgency in your, your business that... Uh, how so? You can't just uh, rough it as much as you have in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was starting out, like, oh, man, I really roughed it. I didn't heat this. Uh, I only heated uh, one room in my house when I started out to save. <laughs> can't really do that with a baby. Um, and just also the kind of the sense of, like, you know, wanting to give uh, give my son and uh, any future children we have the opportunity to grow up on a farm like I had and uh try to have the farm in a good enough financial position and have us have a nice enough lifestyle that it might be appealing to uh to our children to uh want to follow in our footsteps just like I was able to follow in uh my family's footsteps and I just kind of want to give you a little urgency to get your uh, stuff in order um so it's an option for for our kids and yeah, children do de- children do change your life that's for sure oh yeah yeah you're already planning. Now you, now you say kids is in plural. You only have one, so you're already planning for the second one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Someday. I mean, not 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 right away, but we hope to have a few. <laughs> What's your target? Do you have any siblings? I have uh, two siblings. I have uh, one younger sister and one older sister. Oh, so girl, so goodness. <laughs> so it's nice to have. It's nice for you to have a boy then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's your What's your target? How many kids do you want to have? Um. Three to four, probably. Mm-hmm. That's uh, kind of what kind of what we're thinking. We'll see how things turn out. What do you guys like to do off the farm? I mean, what's your What's your? Do you guys get any time to really get away or anything like that? Or we don't do a whole lot. Um, but with being seasonal, that does give us the opportunity to uh, do some traveling in the uh, dry period. It's a lot easier to hire someone just to feed your dry cows and uh, milk your cows and stuff. So, um, sure. We say we were we we're lucky after we got married. Uh, our dry period after that, we were able to travel to. Uh, New Zealand, um, and spent some time on farms there, which, uh, you know, typical, typical farmer hobby when they're, uh, when they're not farming themselves, they got to go look at other farms. So we stayed on some farms there and did some hiking around New Zealand. It's a beautiful country and it was a really nice experience being there. Wow. Um, a lot of their, uh, what was a this? lot of their economy is still very agricultural based. So, you know, you go around and there's like, real farm stores in every town where they still actually sell actual farm stuff, not sure. just uh, hobby stuff and horse stuff. And it kind of reminded me like what a small towns here might've been like 30, 40, 50 years ago. Sure. So when did you go to New Zealand? When did you go to New Zealand? When or? Yeah. When? Uh, that was um, January, 2018. Okay. And we spent two weeks there, half of it on, on farms and half of it, uh, hiking and sightseeing that's wonderful that's wonderful 
What was the biggest thing you took away from being in New Zealand, you know, that you applied then to your operation here? That you can milk, um, you can graze at significant scale uh, with a relatively low labor, relatively low labor input. We uh, stayed on one really beautifully managed farm that uh, milked 600 cows, and it was basically a husband and a wife, a little bit of labor from their children, and one full-time employee milking 600 uh, cows seasonally like most of the island does and it was just very impressive that they could do that at that many cows with that few labor labor hours wow wow never been to new zealand that's wonderful yeah that's it, awesome it was really fun i hope we have a chance to go back at i was some gonna point. say are you gonna go back i really i really hope to <laughs> was that your first time out of the country Yes, yeah, so actually my first time on an airplane was from New York City to Hong Kong. So, yeah, 18-hour flight was the first time on an airplane. Welcome to reality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never watched so many movies in my life. Ryan, thank you. Yeah, thank I appreciate you. the time. And, no problem. And uh, we'll hopefully be, uh, hopefully we'll get through this whole thing and this will be behind us, this whole COVID-19 stuff. Oh, I'm sure it will be. To learn more about Ryan Murray and his farm, you can read the story at www.americanagriculturist.com. We'll also have a couple links at the bottom of the story and also at the bottom of this podcast. Um, some interesting links on, uh, on organic dairying and also uh, the Upstate Niagara Cooperative. Thank you for listening to the American Agriculturist Young Farmer Podcast. My name is Chris Torres. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.